Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With a new podcast every day of the Premier League season, this is Football Social Daily. He scored more than 200 Premier League goals. He's Manchester United's all-time leading goalscorer and he's regarded as one of the finest English players of all time. And now he's a 2022 Premier League Hall of Famer. Wayne Rooney, along with two-time title winner, the driving force behind an era of success at Arsenal and current Crystal Palace boss Patrick Vieira, have been inducted into the Premier League's Class of 2022 for the recently established Hall of Fame. No doubt two deserving candidates, but what do we make of the Hall of Fame notion in general? I'm sure Everton gaffer Frank Lampard likes it, considering he was one of eight players inducted into last season's inaugural ceremony, but he'll be sad to see what's happening at his beloved Chelsea. But there has been a boost for the Blues. Chelsea are now allowed to sell tickets again, with fans able to attend two huge matches that will soon be on the agenda. Hello, welcome to Football Social Daily, the podcast keeping you up to date with Premier League affairs every day of the top flight season. And all of that is to come on today's episode. I'm Niall McCorn. And alongside me, two Hall of Shamers, Marley Anderson and Joel Tudor. How you doing, boys? <laughs> Whoa, shots fired. I mean, not even been introduced yet. Jesus. I woke up and chose to fire some shots. Yeah, definitely. Um, let's talk about this Premier League Hall of Fame then. It's a new thing. It was only established in 2021. Last season, we saw the first two inductees be Alan Shearer, the all-time leading Premier League goalscorer, which no doubt brings a smile to Marley Anderson's face, and Thierry Henry, the Arsenal striker, who is regarded as one of the greatest overseas imports into English football, which will no doubt bring a grimace to Joel Tudor's face. <laughs> However, that was last season. And what about this term? Wayne Rooney and Patrick Vieira, another Englishman and another Frenchman have been added to this newly established Hall of Fame. Undoubtedly, those two are legends of the Premier League. We'll come on to them and their inductions very shortly. But first of all, I wanted to garner your thoughts, gents, on the Premier League Hall of Fame in general. What do you think, Joel? Do you like this idea? Uh, I have two massive gripes with it because I know that they're trying to take that approach that you know the uh, NBA and the M- MLB are taking. But the one, well, the first issue I have with it is that there's such a huge backlog of like what 
30 years of Premier League football and they had a massive uh, animation of all the players who could potentially be in it, you know, like John Terry, Rio Ferdinand, Ruvan Istor, et cetera, et cetera. So obviously they're all going to make it in there at some point, but they're kind of just dragging out the process because, like I say, they have a, a massive backlog of players that they need to go through. So they're kind of just going through it one by one to build up the drama or something. I don't know how they're trying to do it. But like obviously when you look at the actual NBA and the MLB and how they do it, and they measure, you know, how good you are to actually get into it. That started in the 60s for the NBA. So they've been able to really have a nice approach to it where at the end of the year, they have like certain candidates, they get nominated. They have a big panel who decides who goes in it, who doesn't. They have a big ceremony for it. Um, I think you have to be retired for five years before you even get considered for it. Whereas, you know, this one feels like, obviously they have to go back in time because 2021, you can't really choose anyone who's currently playing at the moment but one that i think the biggest issue for me and it probably is for you guys as well is that they're literally wiping out the previous 50 years of players who have been amazing in england and they're probably some of the best ones we've ever seen like george best will never ever be in it because he's not in premier league footballer and you could go on and on and on with the amount of amazing players, Bobby Moore, etc., and they'll never be considered. And that's the biggest gripe I have with it because when you look at the NBA, you know you've got all like um, all of the amazing, talented players from the sixties, seventies, eighties, which were the best sides that have ever been in the NBA. And then you go to this, and it's basically nineteen ninety onwards, which I really don't agree with, and I think it's so unfair that you're literally wiping out an amazing part of history in English football purely based on this kind of new franchise way of how they wanted to progress with the league I just don't agree with it at all um, so for me that's why it's a little bit worthless it's a little bit gimmicky and um, it's not representative of the real hall of fame which it should be you know what I think that's a brilliant point that you make about top flight English football pre-1992 of course the Premier League was conceived in 1992 and as you say 30 years of it and it has been a massive success in all fairness to the Premier League but I, I totally agree with you I couldn't agree more with what you say about those players that predate that time period that won't be recognised in any way due to the fact that they were playing before the Premier League was inaugurated and you know we have Trevor Stephen on our podcast and he'll be on the dugout this week with Jim uh, on Friday night that podcast is out so make sure you hit subscribe and you won't miss that and Trevor was part of an Everton side in the mid-1980s that won everything they were absolutely brilliant um, Andy Gray himself Gary Lineker these are sort of three names that were ultra successful in English top flight football that won't be recognized so I think it's a great point you make there and I also agree with what you say about how kind of the American style Hall of Fames which I think is kind of what the Premier League one is based off of began in the 1960s or even earlier and there's the level of prestige which has built up with that over time whereas for me Marley I see the announcements last season and now this season and I just go oh fair enough and that's about it that's kind of my reaction to it what's your take? Uh, yeah, it's it's kind of the same for me. Like, it's not that big a deal um, in terms of the grand scheme of things because, as is always the way with with it, with anything at all these days, um, you know, you can you can say your know, Vieira's in and and um, and Rooney's in, and then you just get people going, oh, what about this guy? When when's this guy gonna get his his due? When's Yaya Toure gonna be in there? When's Paul Scholes gonna be in there? And it's like, just shut up. Like it, they do two at a time. And there's 
what probably at least a hundred deserving players of this pre- of this Hall of Fame. They can't do everyone at once because then they just you know shoot shoot the load too quickly and no one cares and everyone forgets about it in six months time. So they they drag it out usually every um, is it like it's usually every international break it feels like um, just to keep keep people talking about something and give them something to talk about because. I mean, this international breaks is as boring as as any anyone that's ever been in in probably the last three or four years because there's not even a World Cup the next time the squads get together because there's still three more before the the World Cup starts in December this time round. So, um, I I don't see any any issue with it. I don't see any um any problem with how it's being um ran. Um, the the players that are in it so far are all undeniably you know, deserving of it. Um and I don't even I don't disagree with the, the Premier League only thing because if you if you go back before that, you know as you say, like there are loads and loads of deserving players, but you can't you can't commemorate them all. Mm. Like it, it's just gonna take ages, you know. The, you know, Everton fans are gonna be like, Oh, what about Dixie Dean? It's like nineteen twenty. Well, Dixie Dean was the twenties, <laughs> you know, he's 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 died, you know. You can't, you can't posthumously award like it's, it's not a thing. It's just a token thing. If you start doing that, you know, George Best, you know, everyone knows he's a mint player, and everybody who knows football knows that he was yeah. a fantastic player. But you know, mm. he's long gone. So yeah. what's the point? I, I, I agree with what you're saying to an extent. It's, it's one of them things where you know George Best has got this legendary status and doesn't need yeah. a piece of metal that goes on his mantelpiece you know or his family's mantelpiece um to commemorate that i think everyone knows that and his kind of aura is legendary in its own right and same with more that famous photo of him lifting the Jules Rimet trophy above his head winning the world cup for england i do see what you're saying there um there are criteria to meet when it comes to being nominated to be inducted into the premier league hall of fame as i mentioned last season or last year 2021 shearer and Henri were awarded uh, automatic induction by the Premier League and then the remaining six players who are inducted were voted for by Premier League fans and this is the criteria so you need to have played more than 250 appearances in the league you need to have shown an exceptional record of on-pitch success or shown a significant contribution since the inception of the Premier League in 92 um, and effectively you need to have appeared in more than 200 Premier League games for one club or 250 in the league as I say selected to any team of the decade won a Premier League golden boot or golden glove voted as a Premier League player of the season, won at least three Premier League titles, scored 100 Premier League goals, or for goalkeepers, recorded 100 Premier League clean sheets. So joining Henri and Shearer last year was Cantona, Keane, Lampard, Bergkamp, Gerrard and Beckham. And obviously this year it's Rooney and Vieira. So Marley is right to an extent, Joel, isn't he? That there are a lot of players who have been nominated uh, in general and it will be voted for by the Premier League fans. I mean, the shortlist for, for this year <laughs> is, is extensive and half of them are Manchester United players as well. Yeah, I mean, if it's just voted for by fans, then God bless their Hall of Fame because it's going to be... get. It's basically whoever's got the biggest fan base will have more players in it and that makes it ridiculous in itself, but... No, no I do Matt agree. Matt is never getting a look in, is he? <laughs> I'm sure Niall will be happy with that one. Oh, God. <laughs> it doesn't bother me at all. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like like we were saying with the with the American style, because it's been so ingrained in that sport since basically it began. Of course, it's developed like prestige in the sport. It's similar to how the Ballon d'Or is right now, or how the Champions League is right now. Whereas you know, if they made, for example, the, the Super League. 
<clears throat> it wouldn't really I don't think it would mean a massive amount to fans or to players because it's brand new there's no prestige or history around it and I feel like that's the similar scenario to this at the moment and I do agree with Marley that like you can't just keep bad dating to every single player because the Hall of Fame will end up being about 300 different players but um, I mean in itself I just don't agree with it just because it's just very gimmicky um, and if it's a Hall of Fame for English football then surely it has to include all of these eras of different English football divisions and players and maybe it'll stop the dilution of all these random players being picked I mean they've got a massive roster that I saw like different picture, uh, different pictures of all these players that could be considered and of course although a majority of them will probably get in it I'm sure if you included all these players from you know the 70s and 80s and 90s then half of them wouldn't be considered um so yeah for me it's like you guys say it's just the kind of oh he's been nominated okay cool and I, th I think the reason why is just because it's not ingrained in football in england whereas in the states especially in baseball it's like one of the big things that you use to actually compare you know in the way that we use a ballon d'or to compare who's been the best in football it's like their way of being able to compare well who's a hall of famer who's not there why are they not there and yeah, I feel like just because it's so recent, I don't see it having such a massive, significant piece of uh, importance right now for the for the Premier League. Yeah, I was going to ask you both who you'd like to see in the future inducted into the Premier League, but Marley will just say Shola Amiobi and Johan Kabai, and I'll say something like Yakubu and Pedro <laughs> Mendes. You can't agree. You can't disagree with that. To be fair, <laughs> so um, let's change it up a bit and say: Is there anyone still playing in the Premier League now? who you think you'd like to see inducted in the future, or maybe you think will be inducted further down the line. Obviously, Harry Kane is a name that sticks out. Marley, Jamie Vardy is another name that sticks out. Both of those players fit the criteria. Are there any other players that you think you'd quite like to see in the Hall of Fame recognised for their Premier League achievements? Or is it is it just those two that are the standouts at the moment? Yeah, well, I was thinking of that of that Leicester team, and obviously Vardy was, was the key to it. Um, and obviously his his journey's been like no other. So, you know, I don't know any regular listeners listeners to the podcast will know that I'm a big fan of Jamie Vardy. So um I'd I'd definitely have him in there in, in terms of what he's done for the game, his journey, um, is different to most other players. Um and, you know, I think it was he got now hundred and eight Premier League goals or something like that. So he's even in the not far off the top of the uh the list of, of all time Premier League scorers. So um, and that was all culminated with a with a Premier League and then an FA Cup last year as well. So I would I'd pick him over if I had to pick one, and I wasn't allowed to pick Shola Amiobi. Um, I would pick uh, pick Jamie Vardy. What about managers, Joel? That would be my immediate thought. Now you know Marley was talking about that Leicester team that won the Premier League title, and the first thing I thought of, apart from Vardy, was Claudio Ranieri, who obviously deserves immense credit for what he did there at King Power Stadium back in 2016. Do you think that there will be a time soon where we'll see managers inducted into this Premier League Hall of Fame? Surely they've got to, haven't they? There's been a ton of brilliant managers in this league. Yeah, I mean, well, if they follow the American way, they all get inducted for like the best managers and coaches and whatever else. So, yeah, I mean, if you're going to like backdate it, I think you'd have to look at Mourinho and Alex Ferguson and um, Arsene Wenger as kind of the main three in the Premier League era. Um, and then aside from that, obviously, I'm sure... Like Jurgen Klopp and Guardiola will be two who will be the, you know the front runners for that kind of thing. But I yeah, mean, I think... statistically, those five names you've mentioned, I think in terms of win percentage, are the best five Premier League managers in history: Klopp, Guardiola, Mourinho, 
Ferguson and Wenger. I think that they are the five best that we've seen. And I think that that's a totally fair comment. Yeah, it's, I mean, yeah. to be fair with the managers, I don't think there's many that you can put in considering how long the Premier League's been around as well and how many have been a success. So there's only going to be, what, five or six maximum that are going to be there. It's to make room a... for Steve Bruce and Alan Pardew. <laughs> oh, I mean, he's going to have to be manager for another 70 years to get to there. But, um, uh, yeah, I think... Um, but in terms of my players, actually, I was just going to add, I think N'Golo Kante's a, a player who I would definitely give a mention for, considering he got player of the year one year, um, won back-to-back titles with two different teams, um, won the World Cup with France, he was pivotal in that. I mean, I, I think he's very underrated just because he doesn't have that demeanour of being a superstar, whereas every other player seems to be... He just sees it as a little job, I think, honestly. It's like being a postman, he just, he just turns up and goes home. He still his drives family. his mini to the training ground, I've heard. <laughs> yeah, he's so, not, yeah, not great at it. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, what a guy. Yeah, he, no, he's, he's, very, he's a very different footballer. Wouldn't he? He's like a guy who belongs in a different era in terms of how he approaches things. And then I think another player would have to be Ronaldo just because... Well, it's kind of self-explanatory, isn't it? He's won three in a row with United. He's close to 100 Premier League goals. I think he's only got like six to go. Um, And yeah, I mean, for what he's done to the Premier League, getting golden boots and titles and Ballon d'Ors while he was in the Premier League, I think it has to be at some point. Uh, But I don't know when he's going to retire. So could be in another 10 years yet. You don't know. So yeah, eventually. But yeah, I think those two definitely deserve a mention. I think it's worth mentioning Raheem Sterling and Mo Salah as well. Definitely will be considered in the future. Um, I don't think you can argue with Wayne Rooney or Patrick Vieira's induction into the 2022 Premier League Hall of Fame. I wonder who the other six names will be that can be voted for on the Premier League website. Go and take a look. I won't run through the full list because there are absolutely loads of players that you can choose from. So go and take a look on the Premier League's official website. Um, Joel mentioned N'Golo Conte and his Chelsea team are allowed to sell tickets again. The government has altered Chelsea's operational licence and we'll talk about that news next after this here on Football Social Daily. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Step into the world of power, loyalty and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChumpaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply Football's Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. Welcome back. This is Football Social Daily, the podcast from Sports Social, keeping you up to date with Premier League action each and every day of the season. My name's Niall McCorn and with me, Joel Tudor and Marley Anderson. And of course, the podcast in recent weeks has been dominated by the news that Chelsea's owner, Roman Abramovich, was hit by sanctions by the UK government. That 
massively impacted Chelsea, uh, which is which is of course one of his assets. Um, it was a, a full asset freeze from the UK government, with Chelsea only allowed to operate under a special license. And the government's uh, terms of that license meant that they weren't allowed to sell tickets or merchandise at the club shop. That license has now been altered ever so slightly over the last 24 hours. Club shop is still closed, but they are now allowed to sell tickets again. It means that fans can attend some big games coming up for the Blues. Of course, there's the FA Cup semi-final against Crystal Palace at Wembley. There's a Champions League quarter-final to focus on as well for Thomas Tuchel's side. And of course, there's some really important fixtures for the women's team as well. So that is now changed. The the license has changed and Chelsea can sell tickets again. Is this the right decision, Marley, do you think? Because it feels like of all of the sanctions that Chelsea were hit with, this was the one that was met with the most controversy. Um, probably. Uh, I, I didn't realise it, it changed, to be honest. I think it didn't really... I don't know if it's just me or did it really get that many headlines? I didn't see too much about it recently. Um, but yeah, that might just be me just not seeing it. But yeah, I think with with the fan thing, it, it, the fans were never going to get punished for as long as Abramovich. You know, I think that I think everyone sort of realised uh, when this first happened that the fans were kind of collateral in this, um, and you know, not the intended uh, ones to be punished, I suppose. But then again, when the way they've conducted themselves in in games that they've been to has been disgusting ever since. So. I didn't really feel that bad for them, if I'm being totally honest, when they were singing Roman Abramovich's name over a Ukrainian you know, moment of silence or applause, whatever it was. I thought they handled themselves like the stereotype that, that follows Chelsea around, unfortunately. Um, but having said that, you know, I, they probably didn't deserve to have this um, have this, this punishment sort of thrust upon them. Um, it was Abramovich's you know, uh, decisions that have led them to this point. The fact that he owns 100% of Chelsea Football Club, you know, is always risky um, because there was no one left to pay anyone or or to pick up the pieces when Abramovich was sanctioned. If they'd had one, you know, one other investor owning 1% or 10%, they could have, they could have been all right through this whole situation. But that's not what it was. And, you know, this was always going to, only last like a month tops, wasn't it really? And we're going back, you know, two or three weeks now where, where this was first sanctioned. The war's been going on for a month now um, and we're not really close to the end of it. But to, to to sort of leave those sanctions until something happened, you know, that ends this this conflict, this war in, in Ukraine, is uh, it was never really going to happen for me. So they've, they've cut it. Is it two months? I think it was meant to be May the 31st, wasn't it? When when everything gets sort of lifted, the sanctions, or that's all the last two. Um, but yeah, I'm not really surprised it's, it's happened because at the end of the day, Chelsea fans are, are still wanting to go and support the club and they're coming up to the time in the season where, you know, they were probably so many plans have already been made for them as well. So yeah, it's um, I'm not really fussed either way, to be honest. I, I still don't think it's... It's that big. It's that big an issue, even if you weren't allowed there. But I yeah, mean, the cynics would say, and I thought about this as soon as I saw the news that obviously Chelsea are through to the FA Cup semi-final. They'll play Crystal Palace at Wembley. We know that Manchester City and Liverpool, who square off in the other semi-final, have discussed the possibility of moving that game away from Wembley due to the fact that public transport trains, in particular, aren't running from the northwest to London on that semi-final day. So. The FA could lose one of their semi-finals 
from Wembley, potentially. And they also might only have half of a full stadium in the other one as Chelsea played Crystal Palace. So my cynical brain was telling me that, you know, a half full Wembley for Chelsea against Palace isn't a good look. And I'm sure that the FA will have been keen for that to be changed and as well to have some of the revenue which will be driven into the game by the Chelsea fans. Is that a fair comment, Joel? Or is that, as I say, me being cynical? No, your cynical brain was 100% correct. I mean, the (laughs) FA have to pay off Wembley somehow. They do not want a half-empty Wembley being televised around the world with um, an FA Cup semi-final. I mean, typically it's usually full to the brim. Um, And it's very convenient how now that this is final and it's at Wembley, it's in the capital, it's the FA who are kind of the hosts and suddenly they're allowed to be able to be in the stadium. I mean, it doesn't really take a genius to think how convenient that now is that they're allowed to go into the stadium for that semi-final. So I definitely don't think it's cynical at all considering the FA's track record. Don't want to go into it too much, but um, it's there's a reason why all semi-finals will always be at Wembley um, and they'll never be at neutral grounds as it used to be um, when the... When it wasn't hosted at, <coughs> excuse me, when it wasn't hosted at uh, the new Wembley, as much as I would love some of the F- semi-finals to be at you know Villa Park or Trafford, um, maybe even up north in Newcastle potentially, it, I think it could be. It, it would be nice for the fans. I think it's just so much more accessible than everyone always having to go down to the capital all the time, um, and I just think that the the atmosphere is just way better at these grounds but yeah in terms of this whole situation like as much as I'm not the biggest fan of Chelsea or his fan base um, I don't think that the fans should be the victims in all of this mayhem that's going on around their club I think as long as the proceeds aren't going back to the ownership then I think that it is probably the right call Um, because you know I don't want to tarnish the whole fan base I'm sure not every single one of them um, is a massive fan of what's going on right now and I don't think that they should be held kind of accountable for what is going on at their club so as long as it's not being the, the funds aren't funding a guy who's involved in you know the ins and outs don't get in too much into it but the ins and outs of this whole war that's going on then I don't think there's too much of a problem to it um, but the fact that it's just away matches and cup games I mean surely that's a problem in itself as well because if you're not allowed to do Premier League home games I think is if, if it's still correct um, to me it just makes zero sense and it just seems to me as the money talks all the time in these situations and like you say Niall the fact that it's the FA hosting it and they're the ones who are going to be receiving the gate ticket fees and the hospitality fees and all the other things that come with it I'm sorry but it's you you, don't, you can read between the lines in this one it's blatantly obvious um, and yeah they don't want a half empty Wembley being televised and they also don't want a half of the revenues because like I say they've got yeah. to pay off that stadium somehow that's 40,000 Chelsea fans whose money won't be being spent at Wembley um, that's basically the whole of Stamford Bridge packed into one end of Wembley and as you can imagine for the FA I'm sure that's quite a good money spinner for them as I say that is not fact that is just our cynical opinion here on Football Social Daily but read into it (laughs) what you will I'm sure the FA might have had something to do with it that's just my personal opinion and as Joel rightly points out this ticket 
rule change, so to speak, includes away fans, but there'll be no extra home tickets sold at Stamford Bridge. Season ticket holders and those who have already purchased tickets before the sanctions came into play will still be able to attend the games at home. The women's team, that will be different, though. They will be allowed to sell home tickets just due to the risk of there potentially being empty stands uh, at Kings Meadow, which is where Chelsea's women's team play their home games. So you can go and watch the women's team at home and buy a ticket for that, but you can't go and watch the men at Stamford Bridge unless you've already got a ticket or you've got a season ticket. Um, The proceeds from all of these ticket sales uh, is going to go to the Premier League. You've mentioned already, Marley, about the kind of the problems that we've seen in Ukraine and, and how difficult that is for so many people there and so many of us to watch on from afar as well. Um, the Premier League will, will take in the revenue from ticket sales. They'll then distribute those funds to the relevant charities involved in fighting, which is now fast becoming a major humanitarian crisis in Ukraine. Uh, I, I think that that's probably the right decision. If the government were going to change the... Uh, license to allow Chelsea to to sell tickets again. I, I don't think you can argue that the proceeds of those um, tickets is is going to a worthy cause because it absolutely is. Yeah, seems like a good decision. Any any time you you know you're helping you know the innocent victims of it. You know that's 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 good. You know you you're sort of using football harnessing football's power to um, to uh, you know help help those that need it. Um, I think we've. You know, as a country, I don't think we've done enough to to support um, you know a country that's getting shelled and thousands losing their lives and stuff. And instead, we've got a um, a government that's that deeply wrapped in involved in in the Russian side of things that they're almost got the hands tied in 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 this sort of crisis. So using football um, to, as a way to to help out Ukraine, but not not sort of directly, sort of sort of one step removed type of thing um however it comes i think it's uh it's, it's a good thing because you know anybody who's seen anything um has obviously known that you know what's going on is is horrific and probably the worst thing that's happened in in our lifetime in, in my lifetime definitely um that uh that you know in terms of the world the world scale you know this could this could have gone worse than it has um in terms of like the nuclear stuff and that so it's good to see us doing our bit sort of thing like trying to help out um because football fans have a lot of power it's a global sport um and easily you know if if, even if a pound of every ticket sale goes to goes to these charities that's still you know minimum 50 grand or you know best part of a best part of 100 grand really so it's a lot of money to help out the victims and you know the long way that continues to be honest yeah, I certainly think that with what's going on in the world, um, you know, the issues around Chelsea do pale in comparison. And I think we all agree that here at Football Social Daily. But Chelsea fans understandably have been concerned about where their club goes next. It's still currently owned 100% by the Russian oligarch Roman Abramovich. But there are several bids on the table to potentially take the club off of his hands. The money won't be going to Abramovich, of course. Um, Nick Candy is one of those names. Um, There's a couple of other names as well, which are being bandied around as possible potential suitors to take Chelsea on in terms of an acquisition and an asset for themselves. when we hear anything concrete about that or any news drops of a more concrete footing on that Chelsea news, then we'll let you know right here on Football Social Daily. Um, but at the moment, it's just kind of as you were for, for Chelsea in terms of the players 
Joel. Uh, you must be impressed with the reaction that, that they've shown and that Thomas Tuchel's shown. He's been very bullish in interviews and in press conferences. The players seem to have kind of carried on as normal. Can't have been easy for them, in all fairness. Obviously, it's been uh, slightly more difficult for the fans to deal with this situation. But for Chelsea, they're still in the Champions League. They're still in the semi-finals of the FA Cup. They're going to finish in the top four. It could still be a very, very good season for them in terms of success. Yeah, and I think one big, massive jigsaw piece in all of that has been Thomas Tuchel. I think ever since all of this big situation happened around Chelsea, um, not only just me, but I think for many people, he's gone up in a lot of people's estimations in terms of how much of a great leader he is. Um, just in terms of, you know, when he's been asked difficult questions that even are not even associated to football, he's never shied away from it once and he's always gave his personal opinion, um, you know, in terms of condemning what's going on. Um, he has his own voice, he's his own person, regardless of who's the person paying his wages. And you have to respect him for that. And I think that's why, for me, he's he's definitely gone up a massive amount. And I think that's probably why Chelsea is still on the straight and narrow, just because he's not allowed any of this outside noise to you know, infiltrate into the team and into what they want to do this season. Because like you say, they could have an amazing season, This um, an amazing finish. They're still in two different um, two different competitions still. Uh, obviously, the Champions League's probably one that I don't expect them to go all the way in, but the FA Cup is still something 100% they can achieve this season. Um, I did... And, you know, let's not get it twisted as well. They should have been competing for the Premier League this season. I don't care how anyone wants to spin it. They spent a ridiculous amount. Uh, they got Romelu Lukaku, who was the top scorer in Serie A last season, and he's not produced as, as they wanted to. So I think in that regard, they shouldn't be let off at all. Um, but in terms of, you know, domestically, they can still make it a good season. And considering the finish and the, the noise around it all, they can still make it a good season but like I say I think if they didn't have a manager like Thomas Tuchel in this situation I think it would have been a very different very different scenario for them um, so yeah you have to commend them for that they've done well in, in silencing all the noise around it and I'm sure that once this ownership situation passes then that's another new challenge um, especially for Thomas Tuchel because you just don't know what the kind of investment they're going to get because Roman Abramovich was very, very happy to, you know, spend as much as the manager needed. He was very happy to get rid of any manager and get the best one that's out there next. Um, and also by the best players, that's been their pretty much their, their blueprint for, since he's taken over. But then, you know, if you get a different kind of approach from a different kind of owner who isn't exactly as willing to dip their hands in the pockets as much as he was, then, you know, Chelsea might have a very new look club and a different squad in in effect so yeah i would be i would still be worried if i was a chelsea fan because the future is very very uh, very uncertain in terms of the way they're going to go but yeah in terms of right now the present day the present day i think the the two calls managed it very well final question then marley and you don't have to spend long on this if you don't want to will chelsea win a trophy this season uh no I think they'll get beat in the FA Cup final um, by Liverpool or Man City. And I think they'll get beat in the Champions League by um, whoever they play, basically. I think, don't think they're strong enough. I think Chelsea or Liverpool will 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 be the ones who are holding all the all the marbles at the end of the season. And obviously they're not in the title race either. So, yeah, that's, uh, that's it for me. Joel, 
Um, I think in the FA Cup, they definitely have a amazing chance because I think in a one-off game against either City or uh, City or Liverpool, I think they definitely are, are as good on the day as both of them. Uh, obviously, I don't want to rule out Palace because you never know what's going to happen. But yeah, Champions League, uh, yeah. I feel like we're just like <laughs> overwriting them completely. They might end up doing something we amazing. <laughs> um, so yeah, shout out to the Palace fans. But in the Champions League, yeah, I, I just don't think they can retain it. Um, you've got to be a super good side to be able to retain the Champions League. Only one team has done it in the kind of new era, which is that amazing Madrid side. So yeah, I don't expect them to do that, especially over two legs. I wouldn't fancy them against Liverpool or City or and even Real Madrid upcoming is going to be such a tough game. So yeah, I, I would, yeah, I don't know. FA Cup's the best chance they've got, but even still, it's still this against Liverpool and City, the two best sides in the country, it's going to be a big ask. Well, those are the thoughts of Joel Tudor and Marley Anderson on today's Football Social Daily. Of course, we'll keep you up to date with all of the latest Chelsea news and indeed throughout the international break, any news that drops regarding the Premier League. England are playing Switzerland and the Ivory Coast and Jim Salverson will be with Trevor Stephen and Francis Benali. Trevor used to play for England, of course, and we'll get his thoughts on the current crop of three Lions players as we hurtle towards the World Cup on this week's edition of The Dugout, which will be available on Friday evening. So make sure you hit subscribe and that way you won't miss that episode. But from myself, Joel and Marley, that is it for today. And we'll speak to you again tomorrow on Football Social Daily. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode.